Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. Presented by Mosing Motor Cars. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Wow, what a race, guys. <laughs> Who said, if it don't fix, don't change it? Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, that's a little more exciting than Bahrain was. That's more I like mean, it. Than, than Melbourne was, because Bahrain, I didn't really know what to expect. I knew we were going to get a little better passing, but, man, that was amazing. Well, this is John Massengill. That was Jonathan Green. You heard it. Les Kaiser were all in studio oh, yeah. right after the Formula One race. All right, the tires definitely came into play. Yeah, I think tires were a factor today. Man, it was a very strategic race, too. Yeah, and, and it just shows strategy on the fly by Ferrari. That is Ferrari at its finest. Um, that is Vettel at his finest. He's a good manager of tyres, and they chose to, I think uh, Pirelli recommended, what, 30 laps for those tyres? And by the end of it, he was on 38, 39 laps on those tyres. And you heard him come into the press room and turn around to Valtteri and said, I thought I was dead in the water. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. He thought he was, but uh, but man, what a, there's so many stories in this race, but I guess we got to start with Sebastian Vettel because of that. Those tires making them last that long and fighting off Botas at the end of the race. Uh, I, I think that was, um, that was a pretty impressive drive by Vettel. Very impressive drive by Vettel, and I said it at the top of the program, which was Vettel got a bit of luck last time out in Australia when the strategy didn't work for Mercedes uh, because I don't think, you know, Mercedes were a quicker car in Australia. But this time he won it on merit and by doing something special, by choosing a strategy, changing strategy midstream uh, and winning. And like I said, it paid off for him. But more importantly, as I said, psychologically, the battle between he and Mercedes, again, Ferrari, back-to-back -back wins now with a 17-point lead over Hamilton. Um, I think it's really significant. And 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 like I said, if Seb's going to be Super Seb uh, of the four-time world champion that he was back in the day for uh, Red Bull, he's got to keep doing this and he's got to keep changing. Uh, he's got to keep uh, changing it up and putting his head down because last year, like I said, he blew it, he threw it away. And I'm hoping that he won't do that this year. Well, I think he maintained his cool all through that. We knew the tires were dead. Anybody else had only run 32 laps on the Super Soft and he was working on well beyond that lifespan. But even when they were dead, those last 10 laps, that car was moving around a little bit, but he still appeared to have confident control over it. So uh, I think we saw him under the pressure more than just uh, the competitive. Well, and also, if you remember, we've been joking in, in the last few years about Vettel on the radio to his Ferrari team, screaming at them at times, swearing. If you remember the frustration last year, nothing today, and yet it's Hamilton who is the one that is doing all the, hey guys, am I sticking to this? Am I doing that? What's going on? And it has to get the lead strategist on the radio. Hi, this is James. Uh, <laughs> as, though, as though to kind of like, you know, prove to him that, that we know what we're doing. It's like he didn't trust his Mercedes team strategy. Strategy, uh, and yet Vettel, nothing, not a peep. 
Yeah, well, there was yeah. definitely some trust-sounding issues there. Hey, uh, we just had somebody tweet at us. They said, so probably nothing to talk about for a few minutes, right? <laughs> Obviously, everybody's enjoying the race. But if you want to join the conversation, you can, yes. you, you can tweet at us, but you can also call us, 512-643-LIVE, 512-643-5483. Mr. Kaiser, what do you have? That's right. I, I was just going to say, you know, Hamilton's frustration was showing, you know, kept calling and and. You know, getting no answer or uh, Dave's not here. I can only hear the wind. <laughs> that was my favorite one. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I can only hear the wind, Lewis. Yeah, but I'm going fast. <laughs> hey, we got that clip. Call us from the parking lot. If producer, Pull over safely. Yeah, let's hear that clip right now. I think I think it's the one that says uh, something about the wind noise on the, on the radio, but he's going to cue it up for us. I think he's got it here in just a second. But, but yeah, that was Sorry, Lewis, I could just hear wind noise. Just hear wind noise. <laughs> he's got the windows, sir. Yeah, he's going 220 miles an hour, and he's like, am I on target? Should I go faster? Should I go slow? Oh, sorry, mate. God, here, you're windy. You, you got your head's hands free with you. It's windy inside of an F1 car? Funny that. Imagine that. Imagine well, I thought that. that's what the halo was going to sort out. <laughs> so, do you want me to pull over? What yeah. do you want me to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he should have done. Next time down the front straight, give us some sign language. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Oh, and uh, all the all the guy, the Twitter sphere is uh, tweeting going, and they were really excited about the uh, the television coverage too. Apparently, Good. it was a lot better and and less commercials. Apparently, well, and, and that, maybe... we, that was noticeable. Uh, I think. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, well, I, I, like I said, I worked for Sky for ten years. I've got no no fear on their ability. They have yeah. a team of uh, you know a cast of thousands doing that show. They've got ex world champions. They've got great uh, commentator and, and Crofty. Um, so no, it, it's, it's just a little teething pains there. It, a little bit of teething pains, and, and I do think ESPN and Liberty's decision effectively to help them provide that coverage was a smart move. And uh, having travelled around the world, as you know, I do uh, that Sky coverage is taken in New Zealand, in Australia, in Asia, and a lot of other places. So you know it. it it is well known as being the best coverage of F1. So I think America are in for a treat and a learning curve too because these guys are right there in the pit lane. Will did a fantastic job, but he's one guy. Uh, this is a whole team of people, and I and I do think we'll see the relevance and as, as has start to improve and start to get more and more points. Uh, congratulations to them today, though. Um, I think you'll you'll appreciate the Sky coverage. But so too was the BBC's, I may add, uh, here here as well. So very good. Yeah, I love Jack Nichols and Jolien Farmer and uh, the, the fact that they can give that that type of commentary you don't get everywhere but hey let's start at the top of the race yes obviously the beginning of the race there was lots of activity cars bumping into each other uh we had a guest in the studio said this looks like nascar i said yeah it's not always this active but yeah it was a pretty amazing beginning jonathan what caught your eye um, well, obviously the Verstappen move on Hamilton, um, Hamilton describing him as, as his friend Richard, um, um, Patrick's brother, um, Patrick head of, uh, Williams. So, uh, obviously, um, Hamilton not happy with that move, but basically Verstappen going so close to Hamilton that they both clashed. I was amazed that Hamilton got away with it. Uh, obviously, uh, Verstappen didn't, uh, they got him in, they got him, he came around on three wheels and they put him back in the pits. They put another tire on, he went back out, but it was game over. Whatever, for whatever went wrong, uh, damage was done and that was the end of Verstappen's game. And uh, literally in the same lap, Ricardo was out. Somebody pulled the plug on his PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, lights out for Ricardo. That surprised me. Uh, we just don't see that kind of failure from Red Bull, where things just absolutely shut down. So that that was the surprise for me. Man, and you really could see it. It was just the whole screen went dead. Nothing. It was but it's not a drive by wire on the steering wheel. Uh, yeah, good point. But it was literally just like everything completely went dead. 
Move of the race, first five laps though. Hamilton, three cars in the first quarter. Brilliant. Yeah, now that you don't see every day in Formula One, passing three cars at once. Yeah, that was almost Max worthy. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. And it's a shame we didn't see more of Max. Um, Botas's start was brilliant. If you were asking again about the start, Botas got the better uh, of the starts and moved straight into second place, got past Raikkonen, uh, no problem. And um, yeah, from there on in, the strategies were laid effectively. Yep. So all the other big other big stories, of course. Um, I, the one that I'm going to pull out real quick is look where Fernando Alonso is in the driver's seat. I know fourth. <laughs> <laughs> Would you have thought that? I mean, you well, know, it is two on, races. We can tell we're all very soft for, for for Fernando, but no, I mean it's good. McLaren have had such a terrible three years to see them actually fighting for the overall championships, which Alonso has said he, he it is possible. And if they keep going like this, Fernando is going to get the bit between his teeth. Yep, and of course, Haas F1 got 10 points today. Boom, puts us, puts, puts us in oh, no, I like it. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm take on the place. Haas team, buddy. I, I'm on the Haas F1 team. I don't, I, think, I don't I know if they know it, but I'm on their team. Yeah, yeah. That equals their best finish ever. Uh, and in fact, it was here in Bahrain, but it was Grosjean this time. But it's Magnussen's best finish for Haas. And I think that really does cement him in the team. You know, there's always been, a, I guess the jury's been out on Magnussen. K-Mag, as they call him. Um, but no, I'm actually pleased for him because um, I, it was, I mean, he had a situation where the, the biggest, hardest part of his race was getting past his own teammate, Grosjean. And so they decided to bring him in into the pits to allow allow Magnus and pass. But um, no, I think uh, all's fair in love and war. And I think the bottom line is um, what a great start to the season um, in terms of form. The wheel nuts are a wheel nut. Da, da, da. They could be now where McLaren are, fourth in the championship, were it not for what happened in Australia. So, yeah, good result. Absolutely. John, driver of the day, who are you calling? Oh, man. It's hard to – it's either Vettel or Gasly. Got to be Gasly. Yeah, because that, that's amazing for them. Uh, exactly. Vettel just did his job. Gasly took a Toro Rosso where it's never been before. That's not quite true, but uh, it, uh, actually it's been a while. he took a Toro Rosso Honda where it's never <laughs> been before. There yeah, you what, go. Jonathan, you were trying to look it up all ago. When's the best – when's the last time they finished this good? Uh, well, they uh, Toro Rosso have won, but all the way back in 2008 with yeah. Sebastian Vettel when he was just a pup, um, just coming through the ranks, and that was at Monza in Italy. Um, and it was a bit of a freak afternoon then. Um, but this was a bona fide victory by a relatively new team, i.e. the combination of Honda and Toro Rosso. They are the second team to Red Bull. And whether you like it or not, Red Bull went out with malfunction and double malfunction, a mistake by their petulant driver and a mechanical issue for Ricardo. So Toro Rosso have won the battle uh, in that respect because they had reliability. Hartley was up there too. He had a problem at the, at the end there, but he drove well. Uh, I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm kind of finding myself as being a bit of a Toro Rosso fan. Um, a, because I like these two young drivers for two different reasons that they've got. Gasly coming up through F2 uh, and having his chance last year, but never getting a full ride. So these are two rookie drivers for Toro Rosso with a brand new engine manufacturer in Honda. Uh, and like I said, I've said it all along, Honda will eventually go good. And when they go good, look out world. Well, I got to say, Gasly not just was ahead of Alonso, but he was like, you know, 45, 50 seconds ahead of, of Alonso. That's huge. Yeah, it really was an amazing drive, no doubt. I saw a couple of quotes here from Sebastian Vettel. I thought these would be good. He was, I guess, on the podium, but he says, uh, I had nothing to lose staying out and trying to win or finish third, says Vettel. And he says, I was not in control. I thought Valtteri would catch me. I nursed the tires and it worked, but only just. So, yeah, I mean, he was, he was not convinced that he could hang on either. 
Yeah, and I'm also impressed with the way Pirelli and the tyres, I mean, I, I, I described Bahrain as being very abrasive at the start, but to, to last those tyres, they didn't fall apart, did they? Uh, they went off and he was losing time, but he wasn't, they, they weren't like, you know, um, splintering on him literally uh, or, or caving in on him. So the bottom line is, um, I think that bodes well for the season ahead to take a few risks. Um, you know, the strategy was probably, you know, the idea of doing a soft and a super soft. That's the strategy for a one-stop. Um, but he that it can be done with those medium tyres, which nobody thought would, would, they would run this weekend. And again, um, just shows you at the beginning of the weekend when I saw the, the, the choice was medium, soft and super soft and all the commentaries that I listened to said the choice would be super soft and um, soft. No medium to be used at all over the weekend. And there, the race is won on a medium. You bet. McLaren, great day. Both cars in the points. Van Dorn, uh, you know, showed what he's done before and uh, got his way up to it. So I, I think that's a big plus too. I heard a great interview with uh, Van Dorn saying if he uh, if he didn't do uh, racing, what would he do? And he said he likes waffles. So Stoffel's Waffles, <laughs> that's the new company he's forming. So that's yeah. a new restaurant chain of twenty four hour waffle houses. Uh, uh, talking of waffling, that's me. Uh, but no, congratulations to McLaren, and I do hope that um, they've turned a corner. And I mean that. In the nicest possible way. There's, there's no question. And I tell you what, if we you look back it at the beginning of, in the pre-race show, yeah. And if they do keep this going, um, it shows that the tenacity, and I'll use that word, but the tenacity of, of of Fernando to stay with McLaren and keep the faith, so to speak, that they would come good. Um, and Zach Brown and the new setup and everything else, they let him have a, a free leash to go to um, the Indy 500, and you know possibly to Le Mans and I think you know it's it's paying dividends because they're giving him his freedom and he's paying them back by driving as hard as he's ever driven and putting in a brilliant display today and now they're fourth in the overall title chase ha! going to Shanghai I know who would have believed it no kidding hey quick update in the mechanic that got injured has gone from the medical center to the hospital I'll, I'll keep an eye out for those updates yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. Let's talk about that because yeah. you know I, I need to watch it's the, the replay. Second time this week for that same team member to have an that was unsafe the same release, guy? Uh, huh. unsafe release. Yeah. They did it Friday as well. Well, so to me, they were. I I could have swore I heard the radio saying "stop the car, stop the they car." Did. Yeah, you did before Kimi Raikkonen left. Mm. I thought I I maybe have that wrong, but. I couldn't say it to that it was, detail. I mean, obviously, those are split-second things. I'll plead the fifth on that one. Yeah, because but I don't know. I, I want to see that again and see when that call was made. Here's where one of the problems is with all of that. Uh, unsafe release is going to become a part of, of modern-day Formula One at the moment. We used to have the lollipop guy, and it would take, you know, the, a pit stop would be five or six seconds. Um, and then in refuel days, it was even longer. Um, but the, you had a guy with a, literally a plastic lollipop at the front, and his job was to watch the mechanics. And nobody moved. Nobody moved an iota until that lollipop guy got out the way. And that's how the driver knew. He couldn't drive over the, the lollipop guy. We had a few incidents where they tried. But yeah. bottom line is, that guy's gone. And we're doing 2.2. We're all that's going, that's deal. amazing. 2.5 today, I think, was the quickest. Um, pit stops. And unfortunately, you know, it's a matter of physics. It's going to happen. Well, that's, what, that's the problem. When you get down to two-second pit yeah. stops... Your brain is, I mean, I know these guys are Formula One drivers and they can process faster than anybody on the planet. But still, when you're trying to squeeze all of that action in two seconds, it's like what happened to Haas last two weeks ago was that they were saying, stop, stop. But it was, you know, those motions were already happening. They were going, I'm that those rep repetitive learned motion. They were done. And, and that may have been what happened today with Raikkonen. And if you 
very well see that happening too because you know it. You're already starting it. It's cutting a good drag racing light. Yeah, good you're, comparison. You're already in motion before you actually have to take that action. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right on it. It's hard to stop and back up at that point. And if you ever wonder how mechanics have changed over the last 20 years, Michael Johnson, and you'll know that name, the great 400-meter and 200-meter sprint runner, now retired, big Williams fan, has spent time training the Williams F1 team to athletically get their um, <laughs> bodies to a point of reaction uh, getting them eating right, getting them moving right, and getting them to the point where they can actually react that way. So those, those are the, God of the days where uh, mechanics were, you know, strolling along just doing their bit. No, they're athletes now. Yeah, because you saw that Raikkonen had, uh, he had three tires. He would have had a, a fourth separate different tire, which, uh, you know, that's one. That's the whole reason they stopped it, said you're not going to be able to do that. But I, uh, speaking of pit stops, I guarantee you that I was holding my breath during the Haas pit stops today, <laughs> waiting to see if they could get that right. So, I didn't think lightning was going to strike twice. Uh, yeah, I was hoping not. Well, and, you know, remember, we heard from uh, Gunther Steiner saying really all they did is they just shuffled the team around, put up people in different places so that everybody immediately came in with a fresh, you know, confidence that, that, set. I read that earlier in the week, and I, I always don't like that. I mean, when you make a mistake like that and you move a guy, it just, I don't know what confidence that gives you. Um, I mean, sometimes it can work, and like you say, a, a shuffle where everybody's like, look, no one's to blame, and everybody move over one. But I, I just, mm, I don't know. I don't know what that says about the poor guy. I mean, it, was, it wasn't his fault. He just did his job. So we'll see. Well, hey, no matter, there are always humans involved in this, and that's why we race. You're going to say, that's the beauty of the sport. It, it all comes down to human error and human endeavor at the end. Speaking of humans, Vettel takes 200th win. He's not really human, Vettel, though, really, is he? <laughs> well, personality's not, but okay. <laughs> oh, no, sister, tell it out of it is, Les. <laughs> Well, I so don't know the way he was screaming on the uh, radio yeah, at the end. Grazie, grazie. Yeah, he, he's uh, you know German with the Italian language now. He's yeah, he's, exactly. he's finding some emotion there. Hey, so what about Grosjean's barge board? I mean, obviously we saw the giant chunk fly off on the on the straight. Oh, there. that's tactics. Uh, Hass yeah. automating. Yeah, just extra parts. Uh, <laughs> just um, eject them as you see fit. Shedding weight. Shedding weight. Yeah, yeah. that's. I like that. So that know, was Plan E. That was Plan E. Yeah, yeah. eject, Ejection. eject. Yeah. Okay, throw the kitchen sink out the window. <laughs> We're going in. Hey, we got a clip that's a, that's that Plan D clip. Let's. I want to play that because I want to hear that again. I haven't heard it since the race. If our producer's ready on that, let's do it. Plan D. Got a plan D. Plan D. Kimi is retired for an issue. Okay, so I guess when you're sitting around the table, if Kimi runs over one of his mechanics, um, then it's Plan D. <laughs> plan D. Yeah. Wow. I worry well, that they would have a plan for that situation. I'm just surprised. I've never heard anything plastic past plan A or plan B, much less plan D. Well, you know, sophisticated bunch, this lot. <laughs> Who knows what they've planned for? Yeah. I, usually with Italians, plan D is dinner. Well, going, <laughs> going back to Grosjean, I never saw what happened. Why? What happened to the barge board? I was obviously at the beginning of the race, I'm assuming. The, yeah, the I, mayhem think you, of the yeah beginning. I think yeah, there was a lot of coming together and a lot of uh, stuff happening. Uh, and of course, it's almost impossible to cover all of it. But uh, yeah. Um, right, we definitely have some problems. Well, we got to take a break. We're running a little bit long. You're listening to Speed City Live here in Austin, Texas. Our F1 post-race show. We'll be back after these short messages.
Mosing Motor Cars is Texas's only authorized dealer for Superformance products. Superformance's Mark III is the only Cobra replica built under license from Carroll Shelby. There's no finer example of a Cobra around. Mosing and Superformance is your supplier for all the great race cars of history. The GT40, the Mark III Cobra, the Corvette Grand Sport, and the Shelby Cobra Daytona Coupe. Mosing Motor Cars, 2420 West Breaker Lane. Online at mosingmotorcars.com. Superformance and Mosing Motor Cars. Drive yourself happy. MB Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MB Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MB Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. Ducati Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. Talk 1370. Hello, I'm Felipe Massa, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. Welcome back to Speed City F1 post-race show. Bahrain Grand Prix just finished up a few minutes ago. It's only the and second of the year. 19 to go. 19 to go, baby. Hey, Les, you got a report on the uh, the mechanic who uh, got That's right. The Ferrari so, uh, mechanic. Report is he suspected broken leg after being hit by Kimmy's car. Uh, quotes from Kimmy include, uh, I go when the light is green. I don't see what happens behind. And unfortunately, he was hurt. That's understandable. His job is to go when the light changes and more than that, I don't know. Yeah, you can't blame Kimmy for that. Um, he does go when the light goes. That is his job. Uh, and if he were any, if he were any slower, he'd lose his job. Um, so you know, it, it's the key is like we said, two point two seconds, two point five seconds. You go when you go. You see the light, you go. Yeah, we need that green light to be held just enough to confirm it. And that's a tough one. You're already in motion. You know what the next step is, and you're you're preparing for it or anticipating it. And uh, it sounds like it went. All right, so we talked about driver of the day. Well, on the on Formula1.com, uh, they chose Pierre Gasly. They agreed yeah, with us. Right. Pretty hard to argue with that one. Yeah, um, I just want to go back to Lewis Hamilton. Um, we we kind of touched on it, which is, you know, almost as though he was having some trust issues. Um, I, I don't mean trust issues with the team, but it didn't sound like they were the, the Teutonic organized Mercedes of the past where they knew exactly where they were. It felt like Lewis was arguing with them in his own way at 200 miles an hour as to say, what are we supposed to be doing here? And he's, they kept saying, you're going fine. But it was as though he was saying, yeah, I know I'm going fine, but what if they check? It was almost as though Lewis had thought this out himself, which is they're going to stay on the mediums and go for this. 
How am I? And, and if I'm going to if I'm going to beat everybody, I got to up the pace here. Very un Mercedes like that. All that miscommunication. They were, you know, they were asking. They said to Vettel, "How many times are you on attack plan two? And he kept saying, I'm shooting for the time you told me. I think that was honestly, it's a throwback to Australia where they were beaten by glitch, human error, computer error, software, whatever. That, however you want to describe it, I think they were on the back foot this weekend in terms of being, you know, be, being jinxed last last week. And so I think that, that was a factor in it. And I think Lewis is that intelligent. He, he was thinking, you know what, if I were Vettel, I'd stay out on my mediums. And I think that's possibly what was going on. Yeah. I, so, you know. I agree. I, I think he was expecting to stay out there. But, you know, we we saw that they went over the course of almost two entire laps of them trying to just get the communication straight. I mean, and I think it was the words that were being used with Hamilton uh, back to James that he didn't understand. Okay, yes, I'm hitting the mark. But I think what James was wanting back is, are you really pushing it? Are you really working to get that time? Or is this coming fairly easy? And so that would give James an insight whether to say, okay, push harder, go a little harder right now, or, or when you could do that. Let's hear I think that was a missing link. Yeah, let's hear this uh, Hamilton radio on this subject. This, the gap as it is, he'll come out right behind me, correct? Hey, Bert, he's currently 1.3 unsafe to you, 1.3 unsafe. Okay, Lisa, just keep targeting those low 34s, low 34s. So prediction is to have Bethel close up to us towards the end of the race. Still need a little bit of life left in the tyres there, but you're doing a good job. Yeah, basically, that actually sums up what I was saying, is that Mercedes predicted that Vettel would come in and he would catch up to Hamilton towards the end. And Hamilton's mm -hmm. saying, so... He is coming in, right? That's basically what that yeah. radio, uh, you know, was saying was, so he is, in other words, are, are our times quick enough? Because he's going to come out behind me, right? Because that was what the fear was. Hamilton feared two things. One, he would stay out, which he did. Or two, he would come out and still get out in front of Hamilton if he wasn't quick enough. So uh, either way you look at it, that strategy did not work for Lewis Hamilton and his engineers today. I agree. I think they should have considered him staying out and driven towards that because I think that was going to be a more difficult scenario to cover. And, uh, you know, if they had covered that, they would have got the other one most likely as well. Well, that said, the Hamilton fans are probably crucifying me now because the bottom line is, let's face it, he, he started ninth and he's battling yeah. with a guy that got pole position. So um, in many ways, that just shows you what Hamilton believes is his true right, which is to be fighting for race wins all the time Every and race. leading that team. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, phenomenal drive. Whether yep. you like him or not, that was phenomenal. Good, so good drive. Go on. I was going to say, what about Botas? You think I was about to go there. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, go there then. <laughs> well, um, I agree with the BBC commentary team. Um, Julian Palmer said it, which is, and Jack Nichols said it, which was, what are you doing? He, we knew he had two chances, really, in those last two laps. It was one to get into DRS, which he blew at turn 10, uh, locked up a wheel, didn't get into DRS on the penultimate lap. And then on the last, uh, on the, and then on one time on the penultimate lap, he had the chance to, uh, on the last lap, excuse me, to make a lunge at turn one, the obvious place to overtake. And it was a half-hearted lunge. Um, as uh, Julian Palmer pointed out, if it had been Ricardo, he would have taken taken the run at him and lunged and let, let the dust settle where it settles because he had nothing to lose. He had eight seconds over Hamilton um, and it was only his teammate behind him. Um, he's got, you know, he, the idea of Mercedes is to beat Ferrari at all times. Um, so he was covered by Hamilton if they both went off, um, but he didn't. He he basically made a half-hearted attempt and he ran out of chances. The next opportunity to turn four, he didn't do it there. Um, and he followed um, Vettel home. Now, 
okay, if I were Botas and I'm the guy trying to beat Hamilton on a regular basis to keep my drive uh, and I'm going to one-year contract, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. Botas does not have the F1 swagger right now. He just doesn't – You when you look at him, when you hear him talk, he doesn't – he doesn't have, well, he lost, lost it mid-season last year, didn't he? Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, what he win? Three races we decided last year? And, you know, so he just hasn't had it since then. And you, as an F1, <coughs> excuse me, F1 driver, if you don't have the confidence, you're done. Yeah, but I think if he continues to beat Hamilton, he'll get that confidence back. Yeah, his wins came in Russia last year, Austria, and Abu Dhabi, the last round of the season last year. Uh, and that was, we all said at the time, you know, a really important win for him. Everybody said, ah, oh, well, Hamilton gifted it him because he'd already won the title. Um, but you're right, he is a confidence driver. He's, You know what? He reminds me of Felipe Massa. Hmm. In terms of his approach, he is one of those guys that needs that mental hug. He needs to have the whole team behind him. And I think he, he is a little precious. I think he needs, he, he isn't a killer, um, but he has a killer instinct and he is quick, quick, quick when he needs to be. I mean, he wasn't slow today. Yeah, um, qualified faster than Hamilton. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him drive the wheels off cars. So, you know, I, I think he can get that killer instinct back. And I think if he went into a championship battle, as we I all anticipate that this will turn into, with Hamilton, Botas, Vettel and Raikkonen, uh, I mean, he doesn't show much mercy to Raikkonen, if you remember. That's true. That's so, true. you know, there's no love lost there. I think it's the day and the hour. I think, you know, I think he's, a, I actually think he's a, a young man with a wise, uh, an old man's wise head on uh, Vitaly Botas. It's round two, guys. 21 races, you know? Yeah, got a long way to go. Right. Well, and, and he's never been one of those that was really known for being all outspoken on things. To me, he's always been pretty level-headed. Uh, and not a guy in the paddock that makes a lot of noise. No, he, he is a charm. I mean, he's a lovely guy to be with and very pleasant. And you're right, he doesn't have that air of a Vettel and a, and a, and a Hamilton about him uh, when he's very personable. I mean, so is Ricardo, very personable. But uh, put that visor on and give him the right circumstances. I don't doubt his ability to win a world title, put it that way. So, Jonathan, what do you think about Verstappen trying to overtake Lewis at the beginning? I know we touched on it. <laughs> Richard Head. But do you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess. I'll use Lewis's, Lewis's expression. Um, no, I, again, just uh, it's frustrating because Verstappen is the most exciting thing to come into Formula One in a long time, yeah. as was Hamilton, as was Raikkonen, as was Vettel when they were pups. He Make is a pup, and he's acting like one yep. um, because he's ma he's making he's making schoolboy errors, and th and that's what you do uh, when you're young. Uh, but he is, you know, it, it's like a, a young quarterback who throws <laughs> who who keeps throwing interceptions. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a young Brett Favre style uh, where he's going to the, the young gunner. and he's going to come into Brett Favre. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, he made another mistake today. Um, he tries too hard in the f f start of the race. Uh, it was interesting, you know, Kevin Schwantz was talking about uh, Zarco the other day, uh, the young MotoGP guy, same thing. It's like, you know, you've got to learn your way. Uh, you can't be a master overnight um, and you can't teach experience. He's just barely, what, 20 now? Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's a young kid uh, and he's had, uh, you know, he's, he's at the top of his game way before anybody would get there. 
Um, so I, I think, you know, I'm not going to overjudge him. Um, he's the most exciting thing in Formula One. And I think on his day, he could pass the whole field uh, and win any race. And I think he's probably going to be the most exciting driver of this year uh, again. Um, but do I think he's going to be third in the championship? No, I think Ricardo's going to beat him. And he needs to, Ricardo needs to beat him this year. Well, I'll tell you, mine, I, I have a hard time faulting him for some things because when he takes that, uh, that high school attitude onto the track and it works for him, I love seeing it. Of course. And that's, that's what I'm saying. You, yeah. you, you know, you absolutely, when you see an amazing maneuver and you see a little bit of valor, a bit of courage that is beyond the pale and a move that, a gap that isn't there and he creates it, you all go, wow. And then when he blows it. <laughs> you all go, wow. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's, take a, let's go ahead and take another quick break and uh, we'll pick up where we left off. You listen to Speed City Live in Austin, Texas for our F1 post-race show. Back after these messages. The Austin East KOA Campground, just 15 minutes from Circuit of the Americas and downtown Austin, and just two minutes from the Travis County Expo Center and Central Texas Fishing in Decker Lake, featuring amenities for every style of camping, from tent sites to luxury RV pull-throughs and cabins, plus a pool, showers, and laundry. Nestled in tall oak trees on the edge of the hill country, all the pleasures of the Lone Star State await you at Austin East KOA. To make your reservation, visit austineastkoa.com. The racetrack, it's where legends are born, where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce Motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles, whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey, because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. Hey, this is Red Rocker, Sammy Hagar. You are listening to Speed City. Woo! Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. That was when Sammy Hagar was right here in Austin Woo! at Circuit of the Americas driving Ferraris around didn't the track. I, I gave him my job, didn't I? I said, man, you're better than Woo! I, I wanted him to come in the commentary booth and just go, woo! Man, he was great. He was. That was a fun day to hang out with. We got him a Ferrari. Thanks to Ferrari, Austin. Yep. Thanks, guys. 488, his first time to drive that one. Yeah, and he scared the heck out of his wife, poor lady. <laughs> hey, guys, I was just looking at a tweet from Toro Rosso, and it is a great picture. All it says is, throw him higher. And it's the entire team with Pierre Gasly on top of the team, like like you were at full a, gas, yeah, like you're at a, uh, a Sammy Hagar concert. Everybody's up there, and he's just got this huge crowd surfing, <laughs> exactly crowd surfing, huge right. smile. Pierre Gasly, yeah, he I'm predicting that. a good season for Toro Rosso. Um, they're going to fight bunk, they're going to punch above their weight, just like Haas, and I think it's going to be good. And they've got two great rookie guys, and I'm really looking forward to them. That whole midfield right now, yeah, it's you've good. Got, isn't it? You've got Toro Rosso, McLaren. Uh, Force India. Force India. Everybody right in that is going to be... Renault. Yeah, and Renault, of course. That's right. Everybody, you're going to see that, that number five, six spot all season long, I think, rotated through. 
Oh, I think it's great. Now it's it is even more close, and uh, and we didn't lose any competition up at the front at the sharp end, as they say. You know, I think it's going to be a good good season. Hey, we got one uh, one last update on the mechanic. Francesco is his name, and broke his chin shin bone. Excuse me, broke his shin bone and his fibula. So uh, ah, good luck recovering there. We'll, we'll let that go now. That does not sound pleasant. Well, Jonathan, you had a story that you wanted to cover. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to lose sight of, you know, the ongoing Liberty story. This weekend was marked by the fact that Liberty Media um, launched their plans for the future amongst the teams. They haven't said a lot to the press, which I think is the right thing. Um, we got a great insight from Ross Bourne on some of the ideas that they're thinking about. But one I just read from Jonathan Noble, he put this out. Uh, and Jonathan Noble, of course, one of motorsport.com's uh, top um, um reporters talking about um, effectively what about the possibility of a qualifying race um, which some motorsports do um, effectively instead of have two races a weekend so have effectively huh. a Saturday race which uh, basically covers you have qualifying you have free practice and so on but then you have a race a full race on Saturday which will obviously decide your grid for Sunday so look at today Gasly would start fourth for the Grand Prix Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fernando Alonso would be up there. Um, Hamilton would start third and so on and so forth. You know, uh, it, it basically where you finish in race one denotes where you start race two. Again, the strategy thrown into that because you might say, okay, you can't, you can't win everything and there's no points necessarily for the first race, for example, uh, or hard points, I don't know. But um, bottom line is it's another idea to bring the fan, to create more excitement, um, and I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, these are the sort of things that, um, you know, that both Liberty are talking about. And I think we should consider, I, I don't, I, you know, some of them are silly, some of them aren't. Um, I don't believe what uh, we did with qualifying a few years ago was, was very smart. Um, I think they messed about yeah. with that and tinkered too much. Yeah. I think whatever they decide to do, they need to make it right. This is what we're doing and we're all behind it. Yes, yes, yes. And then they do it. You know, I'd, I'm all for, you know, making the adjustments to make things improve. <laughs> not too wild about this, uh, you know, finger quotes race, second race on the weekend. But what if you were to come up to it and, okay, in uh, in Q1, the slowest five average laps, but you must complete however many laps in that session. So it keeps people out there on track competing. And then uh, you advance to Q2, again, the same thing. We're going to you know, reduce that pack, but you have to complete at least, you know, five fly flying laps during that session and we so take took it more like an indie shootout yeah I'd, I'd like to see averages of those laps completed during that session so everybody just flat out beans to it and let's go with it well i hate to say it but my mom's already fallen asleep now listening to that because she just wants <laughs> well no but you know i always i always default to my to my mom because she watches it she's had to put through you know years and years of me and my dad watching racing and the bottom line is that becomes too complicated for the average fan and my mum's not average. Just Your mum is smarter that. than average. She, oh, yeah. She's definitely got the brains of the family, for sure. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I really think your average times for that should determine if you advance to the next qualifying or even the grid. You know, where your position on the grid. So you must do five hot laps in any given qualifying session and now we average those oh i only made three well you get two zeros on the other so that kind of sh shoves you to the back end of the grid for that well let me session. ask you this are you dissatisfied with the way you see qualifying now i'm just playing devil's advocate here go for it i uh i think it's all right i think there's room for improvement and i would like to see it be uh 
more urgent. Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, I like the current qualifying situation we've got because it's clear, but it's exciting and you do have a drop-off where if you don't make the cut, you don't make the cut and on you go. And that's been what MotoGP and, and World Superbikes have done in the past. Uh, and I've always liked that. Uh, it, yeah, you're right. I think these are the things that I like that, that we should have out there for conversation. Okay, and this is the opportunity is right now with yeah. Liberty talking about. And I'm not, I'm saying this is the time to throw out all these kinds of crazy whatever ideas is do it now. Let's put them out there. Well, you know, if, if you were to take the uh, mayor's method, you would have less time of them sitting in a garage going, okay. With two need, televisions in front of them. We need to go, you know, we get one, one out lap and one flying lap. And so we sit there and we do the math and see how many minutes we need left of qualifying. Um, and, you know, we all see those pictures of the car in the garage, tire warmers on it, guys looking at screens, watching the traffic cop for the garage. I see. And then they peel off and go. And I'm like, no way. Yeah. Get back out there, finish up, turn more laps, go on the average, forces them to be out on track no, in haste. And that is a good point because it also creates more of a lottery because with 22 cars or 20 cars out on track, um, it beca becomes a lottery of space and uh, air uh, in, in terms of free air to drive you, you know, again, the timing of where you are on track and how much um, race uh, pace you can put without getting into traffic or getting behind a slower car. You've, you know, tactically, you could be ruined, uh, which I think could, again, maybe play in and play out of good, good TV. Um, depending Qualifying, on keep them out of the garage. Let's go. I agree. One thing I will say on that same article by uh, Jonathan Noble um, was a quote by Ross Braun saying, we have got to look more externally at what Formula One needs to be rather than internally, he said. Move away from personal objectives of each team and the team objectives and look at what Formula One should be. And I think actually, yeah. if that's the mantra going forward, and that was what came out of this meeting, I, you know, I'm voting for Ross. The biggest <laughs> thing I heard out of that, I will say, uh, it came from Claire Williams. And you've got to help folks that need the money versus the ones that don't need the money. Ferrari doesn't need the money. Red Bull doesn't need the money. Mercedes sure doesn't need the money right now. To get those big, big bonuses that go to the front leaders to keep going when you have Williams and, you know, any others battling to stay on the grid, let's polish it out, you know, peanut butter spread it down the grid a little more so. You know, certainly the winners are going to get a bonus, but, uh, you know, when the, uh, I don't know if it means spreading money further down the grid or, or what it means, but to give that significant of a difference to Mercedes that doesn't need it to begin with, Kind of ugly. And if we're in the live city music capital of the world, uh, I'll give you a music analogy. Um, you know, you ain't got a band without a trumpeter. You, you, if you don't have a drummer, you need a band. If you want a sport, you need several teams to yeah. go. You can't You can't do it. You have to have everybody, and it's going to your point. You've got to save the smaller franchises, uh, and whether you like it or not, um, in order for a sport, you've got to have a certain number, uh, and you've got to have uh, somebody to compete against. It's as simple as that. Um, and this battle will rage on, I'm sure. Um, but I think the fact... Here's what I really like. Ross Braun has... Forget Chase Carey and his... Well, no, not forget Chase Carey and Sean Bratches. They are brilliant media people. We are in a media world, both social, digital, TV, whatever, right? 
you are competing against the NFL, who are going to London, for God's sakes. You're competing against the NBA. You're competing now in this country with soccer, which is global. All right? So now you have to have media brilliance. And they've got that in Sean Bratches, and they've got that in um, Chase Carey, both at News Corp, ESPN, you name it. But here's the real fact, and this is what I'm really excited about. If you're fighting against the teams... You've got Ross Braun, who's won a world title on his own merit with his own team, Braun F1 and Jensen Button. He's won with Ferrari. He's won with Benetton. He's won in world sports cars. He has been a leader in motorsport terms of both strategy, managing people, working with people. Um, well worth a look at the book of Ross Braun and, and, and his life, because if you're going to fight against the whole of Formula One's 11 teams, no better guy to send into the ring than Ross Braun because he's seen it, been there, done it. Okay, the next thing, caps. I wear a cap Love every one. day. But, uh, <laughs> Thanks very let's, much. Let's talk about it? expense caps. Oh, right. So how do you manage that from someone that manufactures something of their own? How are you going to say, Mercedes, we place this value on this gee whiz <laughs> pick apart turbo you built? And that's not fair. So... My thoughts are, how do you address that? Well, you don't address it by the parts that they can build themselves. You address it by the parts that you might create, uh, if you will, and I know somebody's going to cringe and bite back, to put a spec part in place. Power storage for the hybrids. You know, Earlier in the pre-show, I said batteries. You know, If, if it's going to be batteries, if it's going to be capacitors, it's going to be spinning flywheels, any of the technologies, you set a spec for that, and that part, everybody on the grid gets that same part. Yeah. Across the board. Well, so, you know, again, we got I, it tires. We got it. You know, I would say deal with some components that are going to be a spec. And then Mercedes can figure out what the, whatever they want on their suspension. They can figure out whatever they want on their powertrain, the rest of the, the combustion engine, et cetera. Uh, of that nature, I'm good with that. All right. I got a rebut to that, but we'll take a break, right? Yep. Let's go ahead and take that break. And we come back, Jonathan will have a rebut to that. We're also going to talk about the Haas team because they, uh, they tied. A record today that we'll talk about when we come back. You're listening to Speed City Live in our F1 post-race show live in Austin. We'll be back after these messages. Ambi Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Ambi Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Ambi Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Bozing Motor Cars is Central Texas' source for classic performance cars. British, German, Italian, Japanese, and American. Ready for that special car you've always dreamed of? Bozing has you covered. Looking to sell a classic? Let Mosing handle all the details and get that special vehicle in the hands of the right buyer. Visit the showroom at 2420 Westbreaker Lane or call 512-821-9491 or browse the garage online at mosingmotorcars.com. Mosing Motor Cars. Drive yourself happy. Talk 1370. 
Hi, Brendan Hartley. This is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. All right, welcome back to Speed City, our Formula One post-race show where Sebastian Vettel and Ferrari won the race in Bahrain with Barry Valtteri Botas, Lewis Hamilton, and Pierre Gasly in fourth. And then our friends uh, at the Haas F1 team, Kevin Maggs in fifth. But Les, you were talking a minute ago, and Jonathan wanted to give you a rebuttal to your possibilities for uh, trying to level the playing field. Put them up, buddy. (laughs) It's not so much that. It's more a case of, look, uh, I don't want to ruin the DNA of Formula One. Um, I think that constructors should be constructors. Uh, Boffins should be boffins, and we should move the technology forward because that's been the brilliance of Formula One over the years. So in other words, if Mercedes are working away on coming up with a, a solution to a problem and they get it first off and foremost, they should use it on their factory car and they should beat everybody by doing so, which they've done for, for the last few years. We went behind the scenes at Mercedes last year and they showed us uh, how they got ahead of the competition and now the competition is finally finding out the espionage and, and finally using the same kind of technology um, of using the gases wow. and using the the... the you know, the, the technology, um, you, you explain it better, but but basically uh, Mercedes have had that advantage engine power-wise for a while and the others have caught up. And that, I think, is the natural progression of Formula 1. What I do think is that there should be a more motor GP style, which is... Um, I don't want customer engines. I don't want you to buy it off the shelf. But I think if you come up with a part or you come up with a front wing that is better than everybody else's, I think there should be a sort of trickle-down effect of that technology whereby over the years... Then, so for example, if Ferrari dominate the championship this year, right, and there is a certain factor or a certain piece that is bespoke to Ferrari, that they can then potentially lease that out through the FIA, um, but it but it should be controlled. So in other words, everybody's racing for that advantage. Everybody's racing to get the better advantage, but it, but that's the highest level, right? Then there should be a second level where people are saying, well, I, w- I want that technology. We don't have that the, the, the wind tunnel. We don't. That used to be the thing in the days that there's only about three wind tunnels in Europe. Now there's more. Uh, and, so, and still, uh, teams are sharing wind tunnel. Timing, so, timing. So Ferrari's going to be leasing Adrian Newey's aerodynamic info? I, you're right. Where do you stop? But, what, but, Ferrari, but Hassa, Hassa basically using the Ferrari wind tunnel? And yeah, who was in before? Oh, what was it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, so it, it really, it's a very gray area. And you're right. It's a debate that we could go on forever. But right now we have a choice. We can either look at Haas as a customer of Ferraris and they get basically a secondhand Ferrari. Uh, and they basically take all the technology from Ferrari. And and that's what they are. Is there a customer Ferrari? And they're called Haas Ferrari, let's face it. So they are the junior team to Ferrari as Toro Rosso, who are fourth today, and Red Bull didn't finish. They are the junior team to Red Bull. So you're not telling me that there's no exchange uh, of t- technology and knowledge there. And in fact, Renault, I've said this before, Renault, who have the engines for Red Bull, have told Toro Rosso, who have a Honda engine, that they've got till May to decide whether they want to keep their Honda engine or share in the technology and the knowledge of Renault and take Renault's engine next year. So my point is, this espionage, this sharing of Data, aerodynamics, you name it, um, already exists. So it's a lie to say it doesn't. Uh, and there is customer engines and there is customer customers, as it were. So, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to say that there's a, I got a solid answer and it's, it's better than yours at all. I'm just saying that I think there is a natural progression to bespoke technology that should trickle now. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's it. I wouldn't want to stifle the, uh, the technology. You know, we talked about batteries. Well, whether it's a cathode anode style you know, power storage, whether it's a flywheel, whether it's capacitive, uh, 
you know, in that case, maybe it's one of each of those that you can take your pick from Mr. Ferrari team, Mr. Any F1 team. And this is the component that you're getting to run it. And then, uh, you know, take it from there, develop that killer engine, the killer engine management system, the, the turbos and its system of that nature. You know, if you're going to have a turbo with some blow by a boil in, so it mixes into the fuel and it's burnt too. Well, then we got to talk emissions. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you why I use my example is that the irony of all of this is is companies like McLaren and Williams, McLaren Technology are using their ECUs and batteries in Formula E. <laughs> McLaren, um, Williams are producing parts for IndyCar. You know, in Delara producing chassis for IndyCar and F2. Uh, you know, it's, but what I'm getting at is these companies are already engaged in this kind of technology sharing um, but it's just not quite as obvious. It's more it's more espionage in, in Formula One. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that way as long as everybody knows what they're getting. I think Williams should have kept some of those parts for this weekend. <laughs> no champagne, Claire. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's talk about the Haas team. Yeah. Finishing fifth, Boom. which is we'll tied take for their best ever. I knew it was fifth or sixth in the back of my ten head. Ten points, baby. Yep, ten points. And the last time they did that was the same race in Bahrain in 2016 with fifth. I remember, obviously, in 2016 when they came out of the box great in both both Australia and Bahrain. and But, but ten points. And, in fact, that's what Gene Haas had said that – Jokingly, he said, "I know we didn't get the twenty-two points, but uh, but Gunther's going to get me ten points to every race this season and tick that box today." So, uh, congrats to the Haas, the Haas team for finishing fifth, matching their highest. You know, I was at one point of the race, I was sitting there watching all the battle up front, and I thought, "What happens if Botas tries to go around Vettel, takes him out, and then puts?" Uh, some people on the podium that we didn't expect, or I guess it would have taken a couple of them out, but that's one thing that crossed our mind. I was like, oh, is there, how can Haas get on the podium? But it did not happen. But uh, what other stories, guys? I mean, those are the biggest ones. Jonathan, what do you got? I, I got one story that's just way left of field, but I'll do it anyway. Uh, it comes from uh, motorsport.com again, and it's a Georgia family watching Formula One here in the USA. We say it's growing. And middle of the night, Australia, big storm. Um, all the family are gathered. Uh, they decide, because it's Australia, they're going to watch it in the middle of the night. So mom and dad, this is Rob Brady and his wife, um, <laughs> get downstairs, and they've got the snacks going, and they're watching the Australian Grand Prix. Daughter's asleep upstairs, and they say, ah, oh, you know what, let's bring her downstairs. Until about 10 minutes later, a tree lands on on their house, and they are all saved by the fact that they're not upstairs. So, the moral of the story is, watch Formula One in the USA. In the middle of the night. Downstairs. Downstairs. (laughs) Yes, always downstairs. (laughs) All right. Sorry for branching out there. (laughs) Leave it alone. (laughs) Nicely played. (laughs) Both of you guys, get out of the studio. I'm barking at the wrong tree, I guess. (laughs) Stop it. Timber! All right, so what about next week? We got to turn it around quick, China. China. They split in the head for China. Shut up. Yeah, no kidding. Um, a completely different track, um, but an interesting track. This is a track I've been to. I've done GT racing in Shanghai, and um, it's a track you'll like. The first corner is a double turnaround. It's a bit like Malaysia. It goes back on itself. Uh, Shanghai, you can either see or you can't see, depending on the smog. <laughs> um, but it's it's a good track. It's a good 
typical F1 track, um, you know, designed purpose built for Formula One. It's got some very long straights, uh, like Cota, um, and it's got some hard braking zones. But I think, you know, it's only a few days away. Uh, I think Red Bull have got to bounce back. I think that's the story for me. Um, if I'm summing up the weekend, I said it at the beginning of the weekend or the beginning of the pre-show, Vettel had to win if he's going to keep his foot on the neck of Lewis Hamilton because I do see Lewis as his uh, toughest rival as it was last year. Uh, last year he blew it and he gave Hamilton the championship. Wow, yeah. So another one in the middle of the night. we got to get ready for that and uh, be prepared to... Uh, there's <laughs> no trees near me and I'll be in a bulletproof studio. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and Wouldn't but, you know it. And by the way, don't forget, we are, are doing a both a pre-race and post-race live for every Formula One race this season. You can go to our website, speedcitybroadcast.com, to check it out. And, of course, check us out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's pretty much it. We'll do a little YouTube and, of course, SoundCloud. We put lots of interviews up on SoundCloud. We had all that Ross Braun up on SoundCloud. Man, that was so intuitive. You need to go back and listen to it. Yeah. I've listened to every one it's of all those there. probably all there. four or five times. So uh, you go back and check that out and find that on our website. But And, hey, if you're wanting to take a holiday into Austin, Texas, don't forget we've got MotoGP coming to Austin. Uh, and that's going to be fun. Uh, the third round of the MotoGP Championship that's right, right here. MotoGP right Stay around the corner. Stay tuned. We kicked off the media event for Rallycross. It's happening three weeks before F1. I know. So. Rallycross here at Coda. Make man. a stay of it. Coda, I was a little worried there. We, we've gotten thin on motorsport events, but now it's all filling out. The calendar is looking good here in Austin. All right, thanks for tuning in to Speed City today. We appreciate it, and we will talk to you early next week. Well done, Gasly. Ciao, y'all. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.